Great. Well, thank you for reading that, Diana. And um, could we have these open in front of us, our Bibles, and uh, we'll think about this passage, a wonderful passage about the stooping love of Jesus. But first, did you catch this video on the weekend? It's uh, a testimony, it's a story, an anecdote by Richard Griffin, uh, who was looking after the Queen. He was a police officer looking after the Queen. And let's listen, listen into this fascinating story. And normally, on these picnic sites, you, you meet nobody. But there was two hikers coming towards us, and the Queen would always stop and say hello. And it was two Americans on a walking holiday. And it was clear from the moment we first stopped, they hadn't recognized the Queen, which is fine. And the American gentleman was telling the Queen where he came from, where they were going to next, and where they'd been to in Britain. And I could see it coming, and sure enough, he said to Her Majesty, and where do you live? And she said, well, I live in London, but I've got a holiday home just the other side of the hills. <laughs> and he said, well, how often have you been coming up here? Oh, she said, I've been coming up here ever since I was a little girl, so over 80 years. And you could see the clogs thinking. He said, well, if you've been coming up here for 80 years, you must have met the Queen. I and as quick as a flash, she says, well, I haven't. The dick here meets her regularly. <laughs> <laughs> so the guy said to me, well, you've met the Queen, what she like? And because I was with her a long time and I knew I could pull a leg, I said, oh, she can be very cantankerous at times, <laughs> but she's got a lovely sense of humour. Anyway, the next thing I knew, this guy comes around, puts his arm around my shoulder, and before I could see what's happening, he gets his camera, gives it to the Queen, and says, can you take a picture of the two of us? <laughs> anyway, we swapped places, and I took a picture of them with the Queen, and we never let on, and we waved goodbye. And then Her Majesty said to me, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when he shows us photographs to the friends in America, and hopefully someone tells him who I am. <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Don't we love the idea of undercover queen? Wouldn't that be amazing? Imagine if she was undercover among us this morning. Wouldn't that be incredible? And imagine if she was serving the coffee afterwards. Wouldn't that be amazing? You just queue up for a cup of coffee, and who is that? Your Majesty. And there she is, serving. We love the idea of an undercover royal, don't we? An undercover king. Uh, a few years ago, there was a TV series called Undercover Boss. Anybody sort of watched that? And it was all about the boss of a big organization. Imagine if they just dressed down like one of the servants in the organization and just walked among the organization to see how people treated them. Imagine if that was the case. Well, there was a great old storyteller, a Danish man called Søren Kierkegaard, and he once wanted to tell the story about why Jesus came to earth. And he told this story. It was about an undercover royal. He said, imagine that there was a king who set his affection on a young girl who didn't have a penny to her name. He loved this girl, and he would love to get to know her, but how could he do that? Because if he appeared to her in all his royal robes, well, what would she do except bow? And if he asked her out on a date, what could she say except yes? And if he asked for her hand in marriage, well, she would feel obliged, wouldn't she? And so he could never really get to know her. His royal robes would get in the way. And if she said yes to him, how could he ever know that she loved him for him? and not just for his royal wealth. So what should he do? Well, he asked around his wise court advisors, and they came up with a plan. Why don't you take off your robe, and why don't you wear the clothing of a servant? And why don't you get to know her as an equal? 
shoulder to shoulder, side by side, eyeball to eyeball. And then if she falls in love with you, it's for you and not for your royal robes. And so that's what the king decided to do. And he took off his royal robe and he lived among his people as a servant and he got to know the girl. And she did indeed fall in love with him and they all lived happily ever after. But you know, the most royal thing he ever, do, he ever did was take off his royal robe, put on the clothing of a servant, and stoop and serve and love. And here in our passage, we've got exactly that same story. We've got Jesus taking off the clothing of a king in order to wear the clothing of a servant. Should we have a, a look at verse 3? If you've closed it up, why don't you open it up again? It's on page 1081, and I'm going to need your help as we have a look through these verses together. Do you see little number 3, verse 3? There's been an evening meal served, and Jesus was in the place of honor. Verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. What an amazing thing. Jesus is in the place of honor. He's wearing a robe, the clothing of a king. And he comes down from his place of honor to be with his people. And he exchanges the robe for a towel, the clothing of a servant. And then he goes to each of his friends and he gets down on his knees. And he starts to wash their feet. Isn't that a, an amazing thing for him to do? And he goes to each one of his 12 friends. Now who here thinks that when Jesus did that, we're not told exactly how he did it. Who thinks that when he did that, he got down at one person's feet and then started to wash them and then uh, got back up, picked up the bowl, went to the next one, got back down, washed their feet, and then decided to get back up. I mean, his joints were only 33 rather than 43 years old, so I guess he could probably do it a little bit better than me. And then got back down on his... Who thinks it was an up and down... Or who thinks it was more of a, a knee shuffle? <laughs> who, thinks, who thinks it was up and down? Hands up if you think it was up and down. Hands up if you think it was a knee shuffle. It looks a bit silly, doesn't it? Looks a bit silly for me to do it. And yet, who is Jesus as he does this? Verse 3, look at it. Jesus knew that the Father of all, the Emperor of the cosmos, had put all things under his power... And Jesus knew that he'd come from God and he was returning to God, so he got up and washed his friend's feet. Isn't that amazing, that word so, in verse 4? It doesn't say, in spite of the fact he has all the power and authority of God, in spite of that, he decides to do a bit of service. I mean, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be amazing enough if Jesus in the Father's glory, filled with the Holy Spirit, decided, you know what? I'm going to take a 33-year holiday from being God, and I'm just going to see how the other half live. That would be amazing if you decided to do that, but that's not what the Bible says. Jesus is not on holiday from being God. This is how he expresses being God. And you think, that's a really weird idea. What is, I mean, what does it look like to be God? Think about that. What does it look like to be God? I once preached a sermon with that title in Eastbourne, in the town where I live, and uh, it wasn't my usual 
church, so they were actually quite excited to, to have me come and preach, which is extraordinary. There was, a, there was a very zealous publicist, and they phoned me up during the week, and they said, what is the name of your, of your sermon? I said, well, the title of my sermon is, what does it look like when God shows up? They said, thank you very much. They put the phone down. I didn't think about it until on Sunday morning, I arrived at the church. Outside, there was a massive poster and the title of my sermon, what does it look like when God shows up? And next to that title, a picture of me. <laughs> Which must have been a profound disappointment to people. <laughs> what does it look like when God shows up? This, apparently. But as ridiculous as it was, my title was actually for a sermon in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you know the New Testament, you'll know that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth and he says, you know what it looks like when God shows up? It looks like a man bleeding, choking to death on a cross. That's what it looks like. And our passage here, you know what it looks like when God shows up? Well, Jesus is the one from the Father. He's the Son of the Father, which means in the, in the biblical language, he's a chip off the old block. He's just like his Father, okay? He is what God looks like. And in fact, if you were to look at chapter 12, verse 45, who can have a look at chapter 12, verse 45? You know how the Bible works? The big numbers are the chapters. The little numbers are the verses. And on page 1080, there is chapter 12, verse 45. If someone is under the age of 16, can somebody read out to me in a loud voice? What does verse 45 says? say? Who can get there? Chapter 12, verse 45. Who's there? This is good. This is industry. What do we reckon? Chapter two. Yeah, can you have a go? The one who looks at me is seeing the one who Brilliant. The words of Jesus, and Jesus says, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Right? So Jesus says, look at me, and you'll see what God the Father is like. And then in chapter 14 and verse 9, who wants to read out chapter 14 and verse 9? Is there a young person who can read out chapter 14 and verse 9? Anyone with a big loud voice? Page 1082, chapter 14, verse 9. Yeah? Go on, big loud voice. Brilliant and brilliant loud voice too. Anyone who has seen me, says Jesus, has seen the Father. So do you see what's happening? Right before John chapter 13 and right at the beginning of chapter, uh, of chapter 14, Jesus says, if you see me, you know what God is like. So Jesus is saying, keep looking at me. If you want to know what God's like, keep looking at me. And then what does he do? In order to show them what he does, he leaves his place of honor he stoops down, takes off the royal robe, puts on the clothing of a servant, and he gets down on his knees, and I think he probably did the knee shuffle. I think he probably did that. And he says, if you see me doing this, you have seen what God is like. What does it look like when God shows up? It looks like suffering and stooping and serving. Isn't that amazing? How do you wrap your head around it? Well, did you know today in the church calendar we celebrate Pentecost? 
Pentecost is the day we remember that Jesus, having ascended to the Father's right hand, 10 days after that day, when he ascended up to heaven, he poured out the gift of his Holy Spirit on his church. Because it's a beautiful picture of what God is like. What is God like? God is like a fountain, a fountain of life and blessing. And beautifully, the way you see a fountain is by looking for where it is poured out. And where do you see God most clearly? You see him where he is poured out. Jesus is on his way to the cross in this chapter. He is just hours away from God-forsaken execution. The hands that are washing these feet will soon be nailed to a Roman cross. And he will pour himself out with every drop of his blood. What does it look like when God shows up? It looks like Jesus, arms wide open to his, to his enemies even, praying, Father, forgive, bleeding his own heart's blood. What is the most divine thing you could ever see? Jesus. And in particular, the Jesus who pours himself out. And here with the foot washing, it's a little parable. It begins with Jesus on high. He stoops down, cleanses his followers, and returns to his place. So what is this story? It's a, it's a parable, isn't it? It's a spiritual story. It is showing us the whole history of Jesus. There he was at the Father's right hand, stoops to our, our level, cleanses us, even though it looks so ignominious, and yet he will pour himself out and then return to his place at the Father's right hand. It's the whole story of Jesus we have here. But then how would you feel if Jesus was coming around the room to you? How would you feel if Jesus wanted to get his hands on you? That's verse 5. Have a look at verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do, not you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Would you be like Peter? I think I'd be a bit like Peter. I remember I was in India once, and I got to stay at a palace. I got to stay with royalty. I got to stay with the Nawab of Paturdi, okay? And it's the kind of the equivalent of a Maharaja or a Lord in this country. And on arrival in this palace, I was asked, would you like a pedicure? And I said, no, I would not like a pedicure. <laughs> and they insisted, and I resisted, because I didn't want anybody poking around my carbuncled monstrosities. I mean, to have someone fuss over my feet, to have another human being kneel over me and handle my naked feet, to get their hands on me, to see me at my worst, no thanks. And I probably, I probably should have submitted to it, but I didn't. I made a big deal. No, you will never wash me. And yet Jesus comes around the room, and Peter is like that. He's like, no, don't get your hands on me. Don't humiliate yourself on my account. Don't cleanse me. Don't get your hands on my most humiliating parts. Please, Jesus, no. Would you be like that? No. Good boy. <laughs> Good boy. You've learned the lesson of Peter. We're not meant to be like Peter, are we? Like, oh, but it feels so icky, doesn't it? That Jesus would have to stoop, that Jesus could see me at my worst, that Jesus would have to cleanse me. 
Well, Jesus needs Peter to know that this cleansing is absolutely necessary. Unless I wash you, Jesus answered, verse 8, you have no part with me. Apparently, we need a bath. Apparently, we need cleansing. Because when you think about it, this foot washing, it reveals something about us as well as about God. What does it reveal about God? It reveals that God is the sort of God who stoops and cleanses us. What does it reveal about us? It reveals that we're not very much like this, are we? I mean, have you ever washed another grown person's feet? Have you ever done that? Have you ever stooped to washing another adult's feet? I hope you have every day. Your own, right? You wash your own feet, don't you? Of course you wash your own feet. I wash my own feet every day. Don't give it a second thought. But to wash your feet, ooh. Do you think of yourself as loving? I think of myself as loving. And yet when I'm called to do the most simple thing, when I'm called to do to somebody else what I do for myself on a daily basis, I'm like, ick, ew, no thanks. What am I like? I think of myself as loving. And yet I don't do for others what I do for myself. And if I do love you, it's because you're really lovely and you make me feel really good and you're not getting in the way, I'm I'm not being distracted by anything else. I love when it's convenient to me and when you're lovely and I love a little bit. Jesus loves with his own heart's blood, poured out for us even when it's really inconvenient. This night, when he's got God-forsaken execution in the morning, you could forgive Jesus for having his mind on other things, couldn't you? You could forgive him for being a bit distracted on a night like that night, and yet it doesn't matter. He stoops, he serves, he cleanses, because we need a bath. We are unclean. He is love. He is a fountain of love poured out, and we are not like that, and we need a bath. Do you recognize that you need a bath? A friend of mine did some marriage counseling once. He was talking to a man who had made some terrible decisions in his life that ruined his family, ruined his marriage, ruined his business. And he said to my friend, I just wish I could take my whole life, put it in a big washing machine, put it on the hottest wash until all the grit and the grime is gone. Have you ever wanted that? I've wanted that many, many times. And you know, the Bible says, the blood of Jesus purifies you from every sin. That's a precious truth, isn't it? The blood of Jesus purifies you from every sin. Those hands that were washing the disciples' feet, soon they would be nailed to a Roman cross, and Jesus would shed his own heart's blood to cleanse us. And you think, how does that work? Well, it's what love does, isn't it? If love sees the beloved in trouble, love will stoop. Love will enter in. Love will cleanse. Love will, love will swap, swap places with the beloved, won't it? And Jesus on that cross, he, he becomes dirty so that we can become clean. He takes our sin so that we can be forgiven. And if you want to be forgiven today, you can call on Jesus. You can say, Jesus, I want you to see me at my worst. I want you to see the bits that I usually keep covered up. And I want you to cleanse me. And Jesus will rush to cleanse you. Of course he will to shed his own heart's blood for you and to pour out his spirit to you, 
Jesus said, I, I came to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That means to immerse you in the Holy Spirit, to bathe you in the Holy Spirit, to cleanse you. That's what the day of Pentecost is all about. You can ask for that today. Today would be the best day you could possibly ask for that. In a minute, I'll see if anyone wants to ask for that. Ask for that cleansing. Ask for that filling of the Holy Spirit. But Peter eventually submits to this. And let's just dash on to verse 12. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash... How do you think Jesus should finish that sentence? Now that I've washed your feet, you should wash my feet? That would sound a bit funny, wouldn't it? You should wash each other's feet. Yeah, exactly. See, if it was, if it was me, I might wash your feet if you wash my feet. I might scratch your back if you scratch my back. Jesus is not like that. Jesus doesn't get anybody to wash his feet, okay? He just wants us to pass it on to others. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Receive the cleansing love of Jesus and just pass it on. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You know the word blessed? I'll finish with this. The word blessed just means happy. You know what the secret of happiness is? How do you live the happy life? It's very simple. Jesus says, Jesus says to you, let me get my hands on you. Let me stoop to you. Let me cleanse you. And then I'll lift you up on your own feet and you can go and pass on my love to the world. How about that? That's the good life. The good life, the happy life, is to receive the cleansing love of Jesus and to pass it on to the world. That's the happy life. That's the blessed life. You know what the cursed life is? The opposite of blessing. You know what the cursed life is? It's to keep yourself to yourself. Keep on covering up those bits that you're ashamed of. Never let Jesus get his hands on you and just shrink your world further and further. That's the cursed life. That's a hell of a life. Instead, Jesus says, let me get my hands on you. Let me cleanse you. And let me raise you up on your feet so that you can pass on that servant-hearted love to the world. That's the, that's the Jesus that our queen knows and trusts. She learnt her service from Jesus, the servant king. And this morning, I've just got a question for you. Do you want to receive that servant-hearted love from Jesus? And do you want to pass it on? Why don't we just be quiet? Let's, uh, let's just uh, bow our heads and let me lead in a prayer. And if, if you may be, want to receive the cleansing love of Jesus even for the first time. You can pray this sort of prayer, and it's just a prayer that says, Jesus, I need you to get your hands on me. Sorry for my sin and my lovelessness. Please come into my life. Please fill me. and Please send me out to the world. We can pray that kind of prayer together. Let me, let me lead in that kind of a prayer. Lord Jesus, I see that you are an amazing God, a God who loves and serves. Thank you. I recognize that I need cleansing. I need healing. I need forgiving. Please forgive me. Thank you for your cross where you died for me. 
Thank you for rising again to give me new life. Jesus, send your Holy Spirit to me again, that I might know you. Fill me up, that I might pass your love on to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.